3: Welcome to the Guy Benson Show with Team Christine, Christine Wyatt and Dan. It is Harry Hurley filling in today. Guy will be back right after the uh, the holidays, and it is officially New Year's Eve. It rolls right off your tongue on the Guy Benson Show. A busy news day begins right here, right now. We begin with the president staying at that wonderful St. Croix Villa in the, the beautiful Caribbean Yesterday, when we signed on, it was 83 beautiful degrees uh, in St. Croix, the Virgin Islands. Then you add insult to injury on top of the fact that the taxpayers pay for all of this. And and the optics couldn't be worse with people actually literally freezing to death. And, of course, the Title 42 uh, uncertainty when it was hanging in the balance uh, to to jet set off. And then the the other negative optic, I think, is is really bad. These staying at these properties of wealthy donors and other connected people, people that were at your state dinner, then you stay at these, um, you know, amazing residences. I I just don't, uh, I don't understand it. I mean, if you were a local employee, a local government employee, it would be in all the policies and procedures. You've got people that work for states where they're not even allowed to go across to another state and charge a room night to the taxpayers. I mean, this is just it's, it's really incredible stuff. And what a year. We'll get into some of it in just a moment. Uh, because, for example, Newsweek magazine. Look, I know they're all on the same team. We just we just have to understand that they're laughing at us. They they know how bad these last two years have been. Everyone knows where we were two years ago, energy independent. We had barely above $2 a gallon gasoline. We know where it went over the course of the last two years. And it, it's, it's at times maddening because they're, they're just so dishonest at the White House. It's, they take no responsibility for anything unless, of course, it's good news. If it's good news, they did it. They take full credit. Case in point, you remember this. This is part of the year in review. As gas prices went up and up and up and up, and it was just getting absolutely devastating because every penny that a gallon of gasoline goes up in price to the consumer, that's a billion and a half dollars taken out of the economy. It's devastating. That's discretionary spending that is available that would then go to restaurant covers and you know, you have need buying, you have want buying, all of that dramatically affected. Well, I don't need that right now, so I'll hold off. But if you didn't have uh, to, to write a mortgage check for a tank of, uh, of gas, then you, you might have done that other spend. But then you don't. So then it, of course, has a ripple effect to it. But do you remember day after day hearing that the president of the United States has absolutely no control? over the price of a gallon of gasoline. They blamed OPEC. They blamed Saudi Arabia. They blamed Putin. He was to blame. What an amazing foil he's been for Biden. If, if Trump didn't do it, Putin did it. If Putin didn't do it, you know, then somebody else did it. It's just incredible. So then all of a sudden, and for really no particular reason, I, which except for one, it wasn't Ra- raiding the strategic petroleum reserves, which now sets us back 40 years. What a big, colossal mistake that was. You, if you go through the list of incredible blunders from Afghanistan to, no doubt, Putin watched Biden handle Afghanistan and felt very confident to get provocative with Ukraine. So that's a, that's a hangover effect from that. Uh, of course, mismanaging energy incredibly lying and saying hey I'm going to Saudi Arabia uh, and remember he called the Saudi Crown Prince all kinds of murderous things and he went there begging for the spigot to be uh, loosened and he lied and said I'm not going there to do that and then the Saudis released to the world that the president came here and asked us to uh, you know to loosen things and we told him no so then we were embarrassed before the world but as the price came down and I'll tell you that it's very very simple to explain China is getting its face kicked in right now with COVID 19 the lockdowns are unbelievable so you don't have the consumption of energy like you would that's what has brought the price down all of the smart people the analysts they are and I hate to prepare you for this on New Year's Eve Eve, Eve when we should be doing happy things uh, and some of it will be happy, including the happy hour, uh, especially the home stretch. That will be happy for sure, I can promise you. We're gonna, Wyatt, Dan, and I, we're going to make it happy. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. We'll close out on a high note. But we've got some sobering things to talk about today on The Guy Benson Show, including when gasoline prices started coming down. Now, inexplicably, and I'll speak for New Jersey, suddenly it went up 15 cents a gallon from yesterday to today. It had been dropping pretty nicely, and was down. New Jersey has a pretty high tax now because of the way that the um, the former governor and the legislature set it up that they can pretty much raise it whenever they want, uh, and and New Jerseyans voted for that, believe it or not. So it's a little higher because of that, but in the slightly over three twenty ish a gallon range, which is not great, but it's better than five. And if you get super uh, highest premium, uh, it was beyond five at its worst. So it started coming down. Then the White House said President Biden's policies are working. So they take no responsibility as it raised. And then they take full credit when the price came down. And it only asked Gordon Chang or ask any any smart person that, that studies China And they'll tell you that China's lack of consumption has created a drop in demand, which brings down the price of a a barrel. And then ultimately, it doesn't happen immediately, but ultimately, it it affects the price at the pump. So that's just some of this amazing year of our wonderful president who's in St. Croix, the Virgin Islands, the Caribbean, uh, when all of this madness, most of it of his creation – I don't blame him for the weather, but most of this other stuff, his creation. And they take no credit, no blame, full credit, film at 11. So when then you get the legacy media, they they they're his backstop. They're his protection. It's 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 like a, a protection program. Newsweek, for example. Joe Biden, quote, had a brilliant year. Now. There was a poll, I forget, there's two partners, Suffolk and one other partner. They surveyed towards the end of the year. How did the American people feel? Right direction, wrong direction. 65.3% of respondents, and remember, in these polls, they typically aren't even polling likely voters. Sometimes they're not even polling registered voters, just people. It's amazing. What, what business would ever poll unlikely voters to give the American people a snapshot of what an election might look like? It's, it's, it's never made any sense to me. Only, only polling likely voters makes any sense. So anyhow, on this poll, on this brilliant year, right direction, 26.1%. Who are those people? If you think we're on the right direction, Wow. There is a a major case of cognitive dissonance uh, in your life. That's just crazy. Sixty five point three percent responded that America is heading in the wrong direction. That's significant. And it's exactly where we are. Two thirds of the American people being honest and saying when something isn't going well. And sad to report that the prospects for 2023, I believe we've already had one recession and they lied about it, changed the rules during the game, two consecutive quarters of negative GDP, 10 straight times that that has happened over the past however many decades. That has always constituted a recession. Except miraculously, this time, no. Pretty amazing. So I really believe that accurately we are heading to what is called a double dip recession. That means you have a recession. Gordon Chang admitted yesterday it was a mild recession, but but it was a recession. We were not growing. We were contracting. We had two straight quarters of negative GDP. By definition, that's always been a recession. So we had one. We don't have to play their fantasy. We know we know what we know whether they cop to it or not. So when you have a recession and then you come out of the recession and then a short time later, you have another recession, which is what all the experts are saying that we're going to have in 2023. Sad to report on the Guy Benson show, but I have to say one of my favorite things, and I, I say this tongue in cheek, but it's hilarious. And Wyatt and I, and Dan and I, we talked about this uh, in our pre-show meetings, why did President Biden so much during these first two years, why did he do the whisper thing when something, when he really wanted to make a point? Now, that's not to be confused with those two beautiful mics that are at the podium, and he has a cordless mic, not to go, like, I understand. I, I do events and things, and there's a stationary mic or two at the podium, And you may have a handheld mic because you're going out into the audience and you're taking questions. Well, he never takes any questions unless they're rigged. So I I studied this. Why, with two perfectly professional tuned mics at the podium, would the president have a handheld mic and stand behind the podium with it? If you're in the business... Maybe this is sort of in the weeds. If you're in the business, you know that's very weird. There's nothing about that that's explainable. I came to the conclusion he didn't want to lean down and his voice is not strong anymore and he needs to choke the mic, it's called, in the business. So he has the handheld mic uh, and he can put it very close to his mouth uh, and that's why they do the handheld mic. I can't prove that, but it's one of those things where do you ever know you're right about something but you just can't prove it? Well, this isn't that. This is two years of when it's time for a point of emphasis. The president would lean down, and a really strange look happens. You know when it's about to happen. He leans way down into the mics, basically kissing the, the windscreens, and he would whisper something like this. Cut 26, Dan.
2: Who's the economy? Oh my God. I I don't want to hear any more
4: about you don't like looking at him. (laughs) He knows we all know he couldn't have done it without you.
3: Media credit Fox and friends from this morning. uh, The great whisperer, the president of the United States, Joe Biden, in just a brief whispering montage. There was a lot more than that. I remember filling in for Guy sometime over the last couple of years and doing one of those because i was so weird because just out of nowhere he he just leaned down and said i wrote the bill and i thought that's one of the weirdest things i've ever seen if you want a point of emphasis i've heard of people raising their voice he would lower he would whisper as a point of emphasis so i don't know i'm not a doctor i don't know what that means I know weird though when I see it and when I hear it. We'll be back in just a little bit a big news day today on the Guy Benson show.
2: Fresh conservative talk. Guy Benson show.
5: Pull up a chair and join me, Rachel Campos Duffy.
4: And me, former U.S. Congressman Sean Duffy, as we share our perspective on the discussions happening at kitchen tables across America.
2: Download from The Kitchen Table, The Duffy's at Foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you download podcasts.
3: Welcome back to The Guy Benson Show with Christine Wyatt and Dan. It's Harry Hurley filling in today for Guy. Guy Benson will be back right after the holidays. Well, this really takes the cake. If you were with us in the opening minutes of the program, we spoke about the president jet-setting off to Saint Croix, uh, the Virgin Islands, in, in the beautiful Caribbean, and just fantastic weather. And uh, we wish the president, you know, a great a great holiday. Uh, and we talked all about that. Check this out: a White House official has told. Fox Business Television's Edward Lawrence, who I know that Guy has interviewed, and we've interviewed Edward uh, when we have filled in for Guy. And remember, Fox Business, to quote Neil Cavuto, if you don't get it, demand it. Uh, the omnibus bill. Check this out. They're flying it. It's in route. I mean, there, there should have been, like, video of this. It should have its own chair, possibly a nice little beverage with, with a fancy little umbrella in the beverage, uh, and, and seatbelt on the 4,000-some-odd pages, of course, because we would not want them to be injured, on the way. This is in the you-can't-make-this-stuff-up category. What an outrage this is. Now, this there has to be, I guess it's constitutionally required, and there are still things where the digital age hasn't caught up yet, with certain things. Look, we have the House members voting remotely. That was never permitted before. Uh, That's supposedly only because of COVID-19. So they haven't addressed that. The Republicans say that they are going to address that, that you're going to need to be present in order to vote. It's convenient. It's nice if you, you know, especially if you want to be in the district and actually do your job, you could still vote and and still be with your constituents or some of that that I'm not opposed to. But that's the way they do it. They can do it with technology. They can do it remotely. It seems inconceivable to me that there there should be a way, and if it needs to be voted upon look i mean look at the stuff they they voted on uh shrimp being injected with uh, steroids and fighting each other to see who wins or and and other animals with cocaine to see what cocaine does. This is all in that one point seven trillion dollar omnibus slop that the president is going to be signing shortly because they're flying the omnibus bill to the president. So as we, as we speak, basically the documents, 4,000 and some odd pages are en route to St. Croix to be signed there. And I guess that's to make the president appear that he's working and look, it's not, you know, just all fun. And I'm going to talk to them here about, Green energy. And I mean, you just can't make this stuff up. The optics of this entire Biden trip, he could have played it so well. Family, you got to go ahead. I'll catch up. You know, there, I got to stay. There's just too much. People are dying. Uh, we've got this Title 42. We've got issues to handle. But see, they won't even acknowledge that the border, they, they won't even say there's a crisis. When Griff Jenkins, Joins us right after the bottom of the hour break in just a few minutes from now. You're going to darn well know that there is a significant problem. Griff has amazing sources, and it's a Griff Jenkins Fox News exclusive, and he'll share it. These numbers are unbelievable uh, because of the Biden policies of the past two years. So just let your heart not be troubled. Rest easy. The omnibus, 4,000 plus pages, they didn't get their flight canceled like you may have we'll be back griff jenkins is standing by this is the guy benson show out of the
6: gates and ready to go hey it's hunting with roe hot mike is here on the outkick network we've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion and it's available wherever you find your audio daily analysis and news he is hot i am mike actually my name is chad
3: (laughs) His name is Jonathan, but you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever
6: you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you're subscribed to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share.
2: You're listening to a new generation of talk, Guy Benson.
3: Welcome back. This is the Guy Benson Show with Christine, Wine and Dan. Harry Hurley filling in today for a guy who will be back right after the uh, the holiday And this is a treat. I interview Griff Jenkins all over the planet, it seems. Eagle Pass, Texas, other very, very important uh, border locations around the country. And today we share the microphone with Griff Jenkins in the Fox News Radio New York (laughs) studios. How are you, my friend? Happy New Year.
5: Oh, Happy New Year, Harry Hurley. It is awesome to be on with you, and even more awesome to be in the Fox Studio headquarters uh, with Dan and Wyatt here. These are gorgeous studios, and you know, it reminds me, uh, my career started in a radio studio, and I've spent a lot of time in a lot of different studios, and these are the most amazing studios uh, on the planet. Yeah, they are
3: beautiful. They're the best in the business. Uh, Griff, uh, I also want to just give you a quick plug. You've been co-hosting Fox & Friends all week. This has not been a holiday week for you. This has been a busy week.
5: <laughs> Listen, Harry, don't tell them. I don't want them to know that I've been there. Otherwise, <laughs> they're going to throw me out of the building. So why has that guy been in there in the studio anchor in the morning show? No, it has been a huge honor. You know, I've spent a long uh, time in my career working with uh, Fox & Friends. They said, hey. Any chance you could come up and help us out on the uh, on the holiday week? I said, I'd love to. And, you know, it just happened to work out that one of the big stories during this holiday week was the border, which, as you were kind to point out, I've spent a lot of time covering. And by the way, I'm going to go back in early January uh, at the end of the first week of January, because this is getting far worse. And and it is on a, a unprecedented crisis trajectory Harry, the likes of which we've never seen. Now, we've been saying that last year with the record numbers, but where we're headed now is something akin to chaos, and that is frightening. It's terrifying, to be honest, the Border Patrol agents that I speak to on a daily basis and who have dedicated their entire adult lives to doing. Griff, you had
3: uh, a major breaking news exclusive, a Griff Jenkins Fox News exclusive, because your sources are so good uh, and you get these scoops uh, before anyone, what did the Border Patrol tell you?
5: So today, Harry, my my CBP sources said, Griff, we want you to know that since this fiscal year began, fiscal year 2023 began on October 1st, so that's 90 days ago today, there have been more than 617,000 total migrant encounters at our Southwest Border that's roughly 7,000 of them, 430,000 were released into the country. We don't know where they've gone, what they intend to do. Will they pursue asylum uh, because they've given a card with an address of an ICE office, or will they just you know blend in to the shadows? 186,000 were Title 42 expelled, but yet, if Title 42 goes away, those folks would stay as well. And not to give you too many numbers. But stick with me for a second. They also told me that there have been, in these 90 days, more than 240,000 known godaways. These wow. are migrants that were seen, detected, observed, but not brought into custody. And have we don't know who they are, where they're from, where they intend to go, or why they're here. We just know we saw them cross illegally, and they're gone into the night. And that's roughly 2,600 a day are crossing our southern border. And that's why you've got guys like Rodney Scott, the former Border Patrol chief, that says this isn't just a humanitarian crisis. This is a full-on national crisis.
3: No doubt. Uh, Griff Jenkins, Fox News correspondent on The Guy Benson Show. I want to say Newsmaker Hotline, but you're in the studio, uh, Ah. which is fantastic. Now, give our listeners an idea, Griff, because you know what this looks like with Title 42 in effect. Give guys, listeners, a window into if Title 42, fortunately, the Supreme Court barely, as you know, five to four, kept it in effect, and then the oral arguments in February, spring decision, something along those lines. And I know you can't keep a, a, an emergency forever, but it's fortunate that this continues for now. What
5: would this look like without Title 42? The answer, Harry, and that's the exact Uh, Operative question is that we have no idea what it looks like. We just know it's going to be uncontrollable chaos, which is ultimately defined by a total control of our southern border, our sovereign United States border controlled by Mexican cartels. But let me just step back for one second, because. You pointed to this, you know, uh, reprieve, if you will. We bought a few months uh, at the minimum from the Supreme Court, but it should not be overlooked. The one conservative dissenter, Justice Neil Gorsuch, really brought it home in his dissent. He said uh, in his dissent, Quote, the current border crisis is not a COVID crisis and courts should not be in the business of perpetuating administrative edicts designed for one emergency only because elected officials have failed to address a different emergency. We're a court of law, not policy makers of last resort. And that really brings it home. This is a COVID intended policy to deal with a COVID crisis, but yet the administration who has lobbied against Title 42 for political reasons and now is grateful it's in place because the optics of the disaster they've created by undoing all of the Trump policies— And Gorsuch is simply saying they have failed to address this border crisis, and now they want to use the COVID emergency to try and fix it. And by the way, it's not lost on me or many other reporters that cover the border that yet the administration still won't call it a crisis, as Justice Neil Gorsuch does in his dissent. Yet DHS this week, shortly after Title 42 ruling came, said, quote, the border is not open. And that is— so far, the images, the numbers, everything stands in stark contrast, Harry, that now it is fair to ask, I think, uh, as an objective journalist, that this administration is either in denial or specifically being misleading or at worst lying about the reality.
3: Yeah, I'm going to go with the third uh and i agree with every word you said and what you referred to that uh, associate justice gorsuch said i'm still glad that it went the way that it did but he's right about that uh the, the supreme court basically saved this horrible policy because i don't believe they are aware of what they're doing they know the border is open they speak that it is closed we know that they know that it is not and the numbers say it and we we covered yesterday griff and i say this for your comment on Guy Benson's show that the Fox news statistical data that they have run on what this will be like without title 42 is about 5 million migrants coming into this country every year. That's obviously a catastrophe and completely unsustainable.
5: Yeah. 5 million a year, boiled down to 14,000 a day, uh, 200,000 plus a week. And that is look, you, in just the 617,000 encounters in 90 days that I was reporting today, that is, so you wrap your mind around it, that is larger than the entire populations of Pittsburgh and Buffalo combined. And this is, the. you, and you look at, like, my latest numbers, excuse me, breakdown by sector as well, uh, Harry. El Paso right now is sitting at 159,186, so roughly 160,000 Del Rio sitting at 137,000. These are border towns, El Paso being the biggest. Del Rio is a tiny little border town that are being totally overrun. And that's why, I don't know if you saw uh, this morning on Fox & Friends, I interviewed a mother and daughter from El Paso named Rosie and Yvette. They didn't want to give their last name because they fear repercussions from from others out there watching this but they were willing to go on camera and talk to us today to say listen we've had it like we've got our schools vacant schools are being turned into migrant shelters you can't Mm -hmm. go through the airport you can't get your flights in el paso because migrants are sleeping everywhere because they don't have anywhere to go the ngos have long run out of resources and the the catastrophe that it is uh, uh, bringing to the doorsteps of our border towns is not an isolated problem. And it's headed to the entire interior, not just in the way of uh, bodies, by the way, of course, with the fentanyl we've seen. And, of course, a number of criminal migrants coming across. Not everybody is a starving, poor, single mother with a two-year-old child, although they often make the covers that are that are peaceful, seeking a better life. These are human beings. I have the greatest compassion yeah. for them, and I've spent a lot of time with them, but not everybody has the best intentions.
3: Well, and let me give you an example. And I do, full disclosure, I have you on in my studio while I'm doing my morning show. I watched that with you know, the corner of my eye, and I also watched the exclusive Fox News video that you showed this morning of the Texas rancher who put $13,000, I believe, in terms of cameras and other security measures to try to keep the illegal immigrants from breaking into his home and you have the video and you showed it a few times this morning of then this person's had repeated break-in attempts uh of people trying to break into his home that really puts a face on this when the administration acts like nothing is happening and that the border is secure no this picture is very different than that, not it, Griff Jenkins?
5: It sure is. I'm so glad you brought that up, Harry, because, you know, I've been covering the border since 2010, going all the way back to my Arizona days when then uh, Republican Governor Jan Brewer was trying to deputize under SB 1070 some of his uh, her, her uh, state troopers to try and deal with the crisis then, which pales, by the way, in comparison to today. So I've been talking to ranchers. From Arizona to Texas for more than a decade. And I remember back in the day when we first started doing it to even just a few years ago, these ranchers are among the most compassionate, big hearted, salt of the earth Americans we've got in this nation. They work a hard job from before the sun comes up to when it goes down. And they are the first to give water, to give food, to give clothing to these migrants who are seeking a better life and ended up, for whatever reason, on these ranchers' property. But that's gone. They cannot do it because of the very reason you saw in that video, these migrants trying to break in at the very minimum. In best-case scenario, they only cause property damage. Worst-case scenario, they're actually breaking in or they get into, as we have seen, Uh, uh, altercations, assaulting, or even firing upon some of these residents. And now, unfortunately, all of the ranchers that I talk to, I'm thinking about it here as I say it, yeah, not a single one I know doesn't not carry a gun. They're all armed now because of the reality of the security situation this has brought.
3: It's Griff Jenkins on The Guy Benson Show. Here's another thing you're well aware of. They weren't ready. Had the Supreme Court, 5-4 the other way, ended Title 42. I guess they would have. They wouldn't have said this second it's over. They would have set a date, but it would have been very soon. The Biden administration was not ready for Title 42 to be gone yet. As you mentioned, they didn't do anything to prepare when Title 42 isn't in effect, and they argue, and they will be arguing. Be, the The Solicitor General will be arguing before the United States Supreme Court in February that they want Title 42 to end. Yet they have no plans on how to deal with the, the incredible crisis that's going to be beyond anything that we've seen. And we shared the Fox uh, statistical uh, data that, that shows these numbers are going to be completely unsustainable and dangerous. What, and we saw that huge, bigger than a football field, white tent that they have
5: assembled. That's not going to solve the problem, Griff. You're going to get me triggered here because, you know, this administration was not only not ready, and by the way, Texas Governor Greg Abbott and Operation Lone Star, you have seen the images of putting more uh, tractor, trailer, tanker cars, more Constantino wire going up. That's not the Border Patrol or CBP. That is Texas DPS doing that because there is no uh, plan. There, is, The administration is not doing anything, and not only are they not doing something in the way of actual infrastructure or manpower strengthening, had that lifted. They're not even doing the simple task, Harry, of enforcing the laws on our books. That statement is what triggered me. And I I read a little bit of it earlier that the border is not open. But then they continue in the statement to say – that they will manage the border within the constraints of a decades-old immigration system that everyone agrees is broken. We need Congress to pass comprehensive immigration reform. Well, that's simply not the case. If you talk to any Border Patrol chief in any sector in this country, they will tell you what we need is enforcement of the laws on the books and bringing some things back – like remain in Mexico, which simply said, OK, you fled Venezuela, you fled Cuba, Nicaragua, oppressive governments, poverty, violence. But you got to Mexico. You wait there. Apply yeah. for asylum. And if you're approved, we'll bring you over here. But you don't get to come over here and decide at that point, once you're already here, whether or not you're even going to decide to pr- to pursue it. That's a fundamental breakdown of our system it's not the fact that republicans won't put immigration reform on the table it's the fact that this administration is not only hardening itself from a manpower standpoint infrastructure they simply have no will to actually enforce the law
3: the great griff jenkins on the guy benson show minute and a half left i wish it was more But i got to throw this at you, and I'm not trying to trigger you here either. And I don't usually condemn someone before they have an opportunity to succeed or fail. I'm going to make an exception because I've sort of figured out in advance Katie Hobbs is going to be a disaster uh, in Arizona. I'm predicting that very early, if not on day one, uh, but certainly first week or, or soon thereafter, she will remove all of those double high trailers that have been put in openings that obviously it's not perfect, but at least it helps when there's wide open areas. And I thought that was a pretty good fix, you know, temporarily, while the Biden administration and Orcas intentionally leaves the border with these gaps and these openings that that should have been dealt with. Uh, I'm predicting in advance to the great Griff Jenkins who I consider you an expert on this topic. <laughs> I'm an observer on this topic. A humble those trailers, those trailers are going away. Do you agree with me?
5: You know, I think that's a very uh, uh, solid prediction, Harry. And the sad part of it is that every Border Patrol agent has been saying for decades, you need manpower, infrastructure, and technology. And yet this is a simple tool that helps d- d- redirect the traffic so they can better control it. So that would be a sad thing. The bigger... Uh, crime, I think, right now, as you were talking in the previous segment about that omnibus bill flying down to Island yep. Paradise to get signed, there's nothing in there for infrastructure. There's no wall even being fixed. There's they, they, 2 Griff, billion. they
3: actually made it. They did refer to it. They said it can't be used for uh, yes, this. How, exactly. how incredible is that? We're 10 seconds from a hard break. I wish we could go on. Thanks, Harry. It's great to be with you, Griff. Happy, happy New Year. Happy New Year, my friend. He is Griff Jenkins. This is The Guy Benson Show.
2: Fresh conservative talk. Guy Benson show.
3: Welcome back to the Guy Benson show with Christine, Wyatt and Dan, Harry Hurley in for Guy, who will be back right after the holiday. This segment, this mini segment was going to be about the Texas rancher, uh, but we covered that with um, Griff Jenkins, the illegal immigrants trying to break into his home repeatedly and all of that. I want to end on, on this note uh, because this needs to be mentioned on Guy's program today. And it hit Wyatt, Dan, and I very, very hard right before airtime. And that was – and Fox News Channel is doing a great job reporting on it. That, that's the passing of global soccer superstar, the legendary Pele. You know you're a legend when you have one, one name and the whole world knows who you are. In my estimation, I think this is a pretty fair uh, analogy – Pele meant to soccer what Muhammad Ali meant to boxing. Truly a legend. I brought up to Wyatt and Dan. Remember, he's the first one to do uh, the bicycle kick. Now you see people do that with regularity. When Pele did that, that was like he was from another planet. Oh, my God. He's, he's inverted. It's, it's Tom Cruise and Maverick. Pete, uh, you know, at the, uh, at the helm. Uh, so we mourn the passing of Pele. This is The Guy Benson Show.
2: Live from the most powerful city in the world, unconventional talk from a fresh, unconventional conservative. Guy Benson Show.
3: Welcome back to The Guy Benson Show with Team Christine, Christine Wyatt, and Dan Harry Hurley filling in today for Guy. Guy will be back right after the holiday and, and a very happy New Year's EVD on the very busy Guy Benson show. It's a huge news day. I meant to mention this to Griff Jenkins a few minutes ago. The, the, the holiday season used to slow down. I mean, this is ramped up. There are just so many important news stories to talk about. Liz Peek is standing by on the Guy Benson show. Newsmaker line Liz Peek is a Fox News contributor and a columnist for foxnews.com. Liz, welcome to The Guy Benson Show.
1: Hi, thanks so much for having me.
3: It's a pleasure. So I almost triggered Griff Jenkins. It is not my goal over the next 15 or 16 minutes to trigger you, but I'm <laughs> going to bring up some real buttes for you to respond to. We'll call it The Flight of the Omnibus, 4,155 pages. We figured out how not to get your flight canceled be this four thousand one hundred and fifty five page one point seven trillion dollar omnibus your plane's on time you arrive to 83 degrees (laughs) uh with sunglasses on first you know first class all the way probably had a meal the the omnibus bill had a meal on the way and uh, a a reunion with president biden you can't make this stuff up liz peak
1: yeah i i must say um I've just finished writing a a winners and losers piece uh, for 2022, and certainly passage of this terrible bill uh, is right up there on the loser side of the uh, uh, equation. Look, unfortunately, it's a continuation of many, many bad practices, but the fact that the GOP went along with it, I think, is very troubling. Uh, Not only is the the number itself just simply grotesque, but that it is so stuffed with pork uh, and so— uh, completely indifferent to people's disgust at where our spending is, where our debt is, and so forth. It's really very disturbing. And, I, you know, I, I don't think – But and, and in, in addition, the process is just horrific. I mean, yes. nobody should get a spending bill thrown on their desk, at uh, you know, minutes to go before it has to be signed, because it, it obviously suggests that no one has read it, no one's really thought very thoughtfully about it. It's terrible.
3: Well, Liz, as you know, it's a new standard. We have to vote for it to see what's in it. Uh, it, It's just – it's absolutely awful. And I could not agree with you more. And and maybe you have insight on this. I'm at a – just a – I'm just stumped at how this Tuesday Republicans would be taking over – the majority of the House of Representatives, why would they not do a continuing resolution? And if the Democrats refused, then guess what? Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. You Democrats shut the government down uh, because we would have voted for a continuing resolution. We're certainly not going to vote for this $1.7 trillion thing that we so disagree with. I don't understand why 18 Republicans, people named McConnell, Lindsey Graham, and others, why did they do this?
1: Um. I, I honestly come back to thinking that they don't have a lot of confidence in the Republican-led House. Uh, I think they're worried that there's a small group of very conservative legislators who were going to object to too much of this bill, that you would have a government shutdown, uh, that there'd be very little room to negotiate. And I think—I I do think McConnell has been scarred in the past by— Remember, there have been government shutdowns, and the Republicans were blamed for it because they were intransigent. And I guess that is his driving issue. I honestly, because what what McConnell might say is, well, you know, yes, the number was pretty atrocious, and yes, there are all these earmarks and so forth. But but we got a much bigger defense spending bill. You know, I think it's time to look at the defense spending bill. I mean. I think it's great that it goes up. We are spending much more money on defense than any country in the world. China lies about it, so you know who knows what their number really is. But, but where's all the money going? I mean, what is in our defense spending bill? In other words, just having a bigger, fatter number is not cause for celebration, in my view. And it's not cause for lying down and just allowing the non-defense part of the bill to kind of skate through uh, in, in, in uh, you know, because you're happy that you've gotten all this money. I, I, I've always been bothered ever since I had a young friend when I was a young person who went to work in Washington. And the entire matrix for success was not programs and what they actually accomplished, but how much more money you got the next year for your programs. Right. Literally, you know that's true. Yeah, I mean, it is. The, the number of actually evaluations of programs that go on in any sort of sober way. It, it, it just doesn't happen. Yeah, I, mean, I remember t- yeah. writing a thing about job training. We all think job yep. training is great. I think at the time there were 17 federal job training programs. Not one had been actually assessed to see whether it was productive or not. That's just not serious legislating. And, and unfortunately, I don't think most of these people are very serious.
3: Could not agree more. Liz Peak on the Guy Benson show. The The return of earmarks was a terrible thing. And you remember they all used to run for decades uh, because of how much pork they would bring home, bridges to nowhere. Look at this stuff: three, four million for the Michelle Obama uh, walking trail in Georgia. You have uh, they're going to inject animals with steroids to see how aggressive they get. They're going to inject animals with cocaine to see what how they react to it. I mean, really, it, it's disgusting. And one of my favorite things, I heard a gentlelady member of the House explain. Uh, how well we 're really we 've got a lot of great things in here we 've appropriated eighty billion dollars to figure out uh, where we uh, misspent seven billion dollars so Liz, I mean come on, if the seven billion 's gone it 's gone forever it 's dead they 're going to spend eighty billion to see how they misspent seven billion, and that is I think a case study of how bad these people are right now it 's terrible.
1: Well. Again, I'm not sure. I I hate to say this. I'm not sure it's much worse than it used to be, but there are fewer and fewer people willing to go to fight uh, for any kind of budget discipline, and that includes most of the Republican Party. So, you know, I, I think people have a point when they say voters don't have much to choose between republicans and democrats i mean this used to be the republicans home turf right and that was kind of what you voted for when you were voting republican nowadays you know i i just think we've kind of given up this mantle i hope there are some people it does look like there are some legislators in the house and the senate willing to really take this on i hope that's the case
3: i i would echo that i hope it is too and i don't think we say that with a lot of confidence but let's hope let's hope that it's true I want to get your comment on Congressman-elect George Santos uh, from New York's 3rd Congressional District. Uh, Resume embellishment, lies and more lies, confused between whether he's Jewish or Catholic, uh, said he attended an elite private school uh, in the Bronx, said that he worked for Citigroup and Goldman Sachs, said that he had a college degree in finance and economics from uh, Baruch College, uh, something about his mother's demographics and other things uh, of course, Democrats are saying he needs to resign immediately. What does Liz Peak say?
1: Well, I, look, I think the guy seems like a complete idiot and and worse than that, possibly. Uh, there is going to be an investigation into probably his finances, uh, someone who is this Um, Dishonest at at the core. I I mean, everything he talks about, it seems to be dishonest. It may well be also that the source of funding, where is all the money coming from? I think he lent his campaign $700,000. What was the source of that money? He doesn't really seem to have a very firm grip on reality, including his own finances. So it may well be that there's wrongdoing here. Um, I, I think it'd be horrible to have him in Congress. That said, remember that every time you take out one Republican, it is a two-point advantage for Democrats, because they undoubtedly will fill this seat. So I, I am loath to say, chuck him overboard. Voters can do that two years from now. That's the beauty of the House. Um, and and by the way, I, I treat it sort of sarcastically, but actually quite truthfully, you know, it's a fair trade. If you want to get rid of this guy, uh, why don't we trade him? For Richard Blumenthal, whose frank, who's lies, frankly, are more odious to me, uh, lying I, about I, serving our country when you haven't is right. pretty odious. So, which, by the what? way,
3: is now a federal offense. It wasn't when he did it, but it was still obviously stolen honor, is disqualifying yeah. in my estimation. I, I kid you not. I, I, I always say I like you so much uh, because we think the same. I'm telling <laughs> you, we're we're separated somehow. We were. It's crazy, <laughs> but I use the same example. Uh, yeah. But he gets to stay, and Santos will probably have to go because the double standard is wild. And I'm not going to play the game of, well, look, you do it too, because this is bad. This, this guy, it, this is really – it's not good. But if the Democrats don't have to go, he shouldn't have to go. I say he gets seated. McCarthy needs his vote or there's going to be, I think, a big problem if he doesn't have that vote. And then he gets dealt with. Maybe ethics charges are filed. Maybe the whole House votes him out. Uh, I'll tell you what I don't feel comfortable with for the Nassau County prosecutor to immediately announce that he's under criminal investigation. Uh, this is more of this weaponizing. And now, as you mentioned, there's whispering of a federal now criminal investigation. It's, it's like we we pick the person and start the investigation it's it's not it's not the way we ever did things before
1: yeah and again the good news is i think he will be seated that'd be my guess yeah. it'll take so long to kind of get any charges certainly the ethics uh investigations as you recall go on forever and yep. practically never amount to anything if there's criminal misdoing here misdeeds here It will be discovered and the Republicans will have a chance to put up a new candidate in 24, which would be the best of all possible outcomes. I, I, you know, I don't want this guy in the House. Um, No one should. And by the way, shame on Democrats for not discovering all this stuff. Shame on the Republicans, who apparently had some inkling that that his CV was totally bogus. But God, what an idiot. I mean, do you really think you can run for office in this day and age and have just manufactured dozens of lies about everything you've done? I don't The real question is, what has he done? What is his background? I don't have a clue.
3: Yeah, well said. Liz Peek on The Guy Benson Show. You're going to love this one. I know you know about it. Newsweek magazine headline, quote, Joe Biden had a brilliant year. Now, Liz, there's a lot of things we could say about this year. I don't think brilliant and Biden uh, are, is one of them. Uh, that is so incredibly ridiculous that I cannot wait for your response to this. Liz, in terms There's of jo- Yeah, we lost you just for a second. Newsweek magazine, the headline reads, quote, Joe Biden had a brilliant year. Uh, I'm going to reject that as false. That That's as dishonest as George Santos. What's your comment to that?
1: Uh, I think it's baloney, but. You know, they've put together—thanks Thanks to Republicans, they have talking points such as more—I heard this on Bloomberg—more bipartisan legislation passed than any previous president or recent president. And various talking points where if the Republicans hadn't gone along with the infrastructure bill, the CHIPS bill, and now this horrible omnibus bill, this wouldn't be— a talking point, but it is. So they are manufacturing a successful year for Joe Biden out of the dust heap of the, repu- the reputations of Republican legislators. So that's pretty horrifying to me. But obviously, the, the situation in terms of the economy, inflation, the fact that we're heading into a recession, you know, you, in terms of every. Econ- and by the way, the, the inflation numbers we saw at study today, the worst hurt. Middle-class Americans—that's who's really been banged up in this inflation surge. Who does Joe Biden pretend to represent? Middle-class Americans. What was his number one campaign issue? (laughs) Uniting the country. Nothing could be more divisive than the Biden presidency, which has pitted everyone against everybody else. I could go on and on. I think it's been a horrible year.
3: I do too. That's why Biden and brilliant in the same sentence for this year is is preposterous. Final minute. Give us a comment from Liz Peake on the U.S. Supreme Court initial decision. They're going to hear the case, oral arguments in February, decision in the spring, probably on this Title 42. Your thoughts?
1: Uh, A huge gift to the Biden administration that has no plan uh, of how to handle even the current migration issue, the illegals entering the country and certainly has no plan for a surging number beyond that. It's a disaster. Everyone knows it's a disaster. I really credit Abbott uh, and DeSantis for sent governors to sending illegals to cities like New York and D.C. The whole country now knows what a disaster this is and, you know, plaudits to them.
3: Remember how fast they got the... Uh migrants out of Martha's Vineyard you yeah, couldn't you yeah. couldn't get them out of there any quicker if you tried so You're yeah like that
1: humanitarian the,
3: and you could see how mad they got by that but the, the, after all they're the sanctuary cities and states i mean yeah. they should be welcoming what, what what are we missing here it's uh, uh, such a good point that you make and i do agree that that big tent that's as big as a football field all of that they had nothing they had no plan it would have been an absolute catastrophe they did get a big break because they can still say they're against it so they 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 please their woke you know radical crowd uh and at the same time they get the assist for the title 42 staying in effect for a number of more months liz happy new year and thank you for your partnership
1: Hey, thank you very much, and Happy New Year to you. I hope you have a wonderful time.
3: We will, and you do the same. We're going to talk about that a little bit later in, during the happy hour, uh, our plans. Uh, don't miss that. That's coming up in just a little bit. I'll say a little bit more after the break about this situation, George Santos, but I don't disagree with what Liz Peek said. We'll be back in just a moment. This is The Guy Benson Show.
2: The Guy Benson Show. More next.
3: Dan is the man with the bumper music on The Guy Benson Show. Great sound all the time. Intro and outro, just king. It's The Guy Benson Show. Christine, Wyatt, Dan, yours truly, Harry Hurley, filling in today for Guy, who will be back right after the holiday, and a very happy New Year's Eve, 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 from The Guy Benson Show. Just a quick comment uh, about this, because I don't want to just inundate you with this uh, Congressman-elect George Santos situation uh this is somebody that probably hardly anyone outside of his district would ever know too much about him and and now he's being made famous but for all the wrong reasons if you heard liz peak and if you didn't catch it on the um on the podcast com, liz was spot on about this see here's what i want this is going to sound strategic and and i i do want to confess i am a principled person But you got to understand when you're dealing with the the other side that just has no scruples whatsoever, there's no Democrat that would resign over this. They're shameless. I mean, Joe Biden is a much, much more celebrated, serial, documented uh, liar than than George Santos. And and Liz had a very good analogy with uh, Senator Blumenthal. So my my issue is this. I do not like the weaponization of the IRS of our judiciary. We see what's happening where they are picking certain people. I'll never forget the the Democrat media posing a question that was off script to President Biden, "Do you think that Elon Musk should be investigated?" The president said, "Well, I don't know if he's done anything wrong, but I think he should be investigated." That's not America. So the Nassau County prosecutor, sorry, somebody lies about uh, whether they're Catholic or Jewish or other demographics about their mom or uh, whether they have a college degree or whether they work for Goldman Sachs or Citigroup. I'm sorry. That's bad. It's bad character. That's not criminal. And now a federal prosecution is underway. Wow. Much more. Stay with us. It's The Guy Benson Show.
2: talking about the issues you care about. Guy Benson.
3: Welcome back to the Guy Benson Show with Christine, Wyatt, and Dan. Harry Hurley filling in today. Guy back right after the holidays. Happy New Year's EDD Eve, Eve from the Guy Benson Show. Well, on behalf of Wyatt and Dan, this was not an easy exercise. When you're looking to put together just several of the just spectacular gaffes of the past year, This was I don't even know. Sometimes I debate whether they're gaffes or not. I I think it's really something else. But we'll just say we'll be polite. We'll just say they're gaffes, which we all make. If you have children and you you call your son, your grandson's name, your grandson, your son's name. What is your name? You know, you just you know them all, but you mix it up. I mean, they're gaffes. Uh, Some of this stuff is just, I mean, psychedelic. So this is pretty remarkable, but somehow, some way, on behalf of Wyatt and Dan, the Guy Benson Show has put together some of the highlights, or should I say lowlights, of Joe Biden, the GAFS year in review. Now, we start with one that could easily be the closer. It could be the Mariano Rivera of, of GAFS, but because our president is just prolific gaffster, uh this this doesn't close the um the the topic it, it begins the topic. You might remember it was warm July and it's always very dangerous because like Ron Burgundy, whatever when Veronica Corningstone put in the I can't say it but the blank you Santiago, of course Ron Burgundy read it. And then as his, his associate I think it was a sportscaster said, why did you say it? Why did you say it, Ron? It was in the teleprompter. It was Corningstone. So Joe Biden, I've often stated over the past couple of years, he is the Ron Burgundy of this generation. Because in July, he actually read the line right as it was on the teleprompter. But if you've ever read a teleprompter before, you know when something is just there for a point of emphasis. In other words, repeat the line. You don't say repeat the line. You say what the line was before, and then you repeat that line. But that's not how it went on this beautiful July day. Dan, here we go. Let the games begin. Joe Biden, the year in gaffes, cut 21.
4: It is noteworthy that the percentage of women who register to vote and cast a ballot is consistently higher than the percentage of the men who do so. End of quote. Repeat the line. Women are not without electoral and or political or or maybe precise, not and or or political power.
3: Isn't that bad? That's just I mean, look, Barack Obama could read a teleprompter like he wasn't even reading. That's talent. Some people have that ability. Some will tell you that study the, the eye movement. Most people, it would be like a tennis match. You're going back and forth, and, and it really, it's off putting to people that are in the crowd and people watching on TV. Obama had it. Ronald Reagan, he had a little trick. He wore one contact, not two. He read a teleprompter like he was not reading. He had it. George W. Bush wasn't great at it, but wasn't terrible. George H.W. Bush was not very good at it, but also not terrible. Joe Biden said, end quote, repeat the line, end quote, repeat the line. Do you remember that one? See, Biden doesn't really, a little bit of reporting, Fox News, talk radio, but the legacy media, Democrat media, they just leave him alone like nothing ever happened. If they don't report it, it never happened. We're still in July of 2022. Uh, Dateline, Somerset, Massachusetts. This again in any other year would probably be your closer because after all you would know whether you had cancer or if you didn't have cancer and we don't make light of that at all it's a, I lost both my parents uh to cancer it's a it's a terrible terrible disease but here's what Joe Biden said and again it it drew barely a yawn Dan cut 22 and guess what
4: the first frost, you know what was happening? It had to put on their windshield wipers to get literally the oil slick off the window. That's why I and so damn many other people I grew up have cancer. And why can't for the longest time Delaware had the highest cancer rate in the nation.
3: Quote unquote, I grew up have cancer. W- wouldn't you think there have to be an, an explanation to that? That's, just, that's the leader of the free world. That's the president of the United States. Again, Barely a yawn, or barely a Biden whisper, uh, at the uh, at the podium. April of 2022. I have to say, just as someone that's involved in the spoken word format, which I love for the past 31 years, I always have a soft spot. You know, we all flub, we all make mistakes. Sometimes we later on somebody said, you know, you said this, and you think you said something else. I mean, things happen. That's why they're called gaffes. I don't know what this was, though. Look, it's not, it's not a word that you, um, you'll see very often, that you'll use very often. But let's just say that in April of this year, the American president, Joe Biden, had a little bit of trouble. and I'll let you be the judge. I think it's a fair analysis to say that the president had a little bit of trouble with the word kleptocracy. That would be cut 23 Mr. Dan. We're
4: going to seize their yachts, their luxury homes, and other ill-begotten gains of Putin's kleptocracy. Yeah. Kleptocracy. and The guys who are the kleptocracies.
3: <laughs> and the laugh at the end is, is almost like Three Stooges worthy. It's, it's Abbott and Costello, Three Stooges, you name it. Yeah, kleptocracy club the guys who are the kleptocracy <laughs> the guys who are the guys that are the kleptocracy so he's funny when he's having trouble and is not going well he attempts humor and I, I would say this in, in all sincerity you have to leave comedic type endeavors to the people that are comedians leave it to the comedians Don't try to be a comedian. It always comes off wrong. I see people sometimes that try to be funnier than the comic. It's never never a good look. Never goes well. Okay, so we go to October. And keep in mind, these are very tough to put into any kind of order because, I mean, look at the ones you've heard already. And the thing about these, even if you don't think about them ever, you remember these, even though the Democrat media has President Biden's back 24-7. I mean, keep in mind, they put a lid on that White House almost every Friday. He has spent, according to, to uh, Fox News contributor Joe Concha, who filled in earlier this week for Guy, uh, Joe Biden has spent 60, 60 weekends in Delaware. I mean, that is that is supernatural. That's amazing. And again, no criticism, just like there's no criticism for flying himself and or the four thousand one hundred and fifty five pages, it's almost like when Barack Obama took a flight somewhere, and Michelle Obama left twenty minutes later in a whole other plane. Uh, Joe Biden left, and then the uh, four thousand one hundred and fifty five pages had its own plane to the uh, Virgin Islands, to the Caribbean, wonderful St. Croix, amazing times. We are living in truly amazing times. They'll be written about um, such. Uh, in the history books so we're in October and this this again this almost would have to be the closer but I promise you it's not remember when President Biden I guess it was tricky to count to two and or three Dan cut 24
4: let me start off with two words
3: made in America made in America So just so you know, it's not a mistake. He repeated it. We didn't repeat that. There's no slice and dice here. Uh, The president said, let me start off with two words. Made in America. Pause. Made in America. Two words. That's hilarious, isn't it? I mean, you would think that that's impossible to do that. You know, if you were saying something... That was like five or six words. I only have five words to say, oh, it was four. It was six. I, I wouldn't. That wouldn't make the list. Come on. We're fair here on The Guy Benson Show. That wouldn't make the list. But come on. You have to admit, whether you are a Republican or a Democrat or an independent, you have to admit that is funny. That is funny. It's also one of those things. It's not it's not harmful. It's just hilarious. And, and I think it deserves to be heard again, and I haven't asked for that on any of the others. Dan, please, command performance, cut 24. Let me start
4: off with two words. Made in America.
3: Made in America. Now, <laughs> I'll just let you be the judge. That's hilarious where I come from. That is hilarious. I just have two words. Pancakes. That's one word, by the way um joe biden september and this one we we regret we regret I, I sincerely mean that there's nothing there's nothing funny about this at all and it was it was really horrific to watch go down a congresswoman by the name of jackie Rolarsky was killed in a tragic motor vehicle accident and other staff members as well. There was a, an event where folks had gathered and President Biden repeatedly called out and asked where was the Representative Jackie Orlarski who had passed away which the president knew earlier that she had passed away, but obviously on this day didn't remember that she had passed away. It's, it's tragic. It's one of those things that calls into question mental acuity, and really uh, it's, hard, it's hard to explain. And I'm going to share something with you after you hear the cut that is disgraceful that took place even after the fact. It's with regrets almost that this has to be this was the worst gaffe of President Biden in 2022. Dan cut 25.
4: I want to thank all of you here for including bipartisan elected officials like Representative Governor, Senator Braun, Senator Booker, Representative Jackie, are you here? Where's Jackie? I didn't think she was going to be here.
3: What can you say about that? I mean, he once said about a guy at a at a campaign rally, "Come on, stand up." And then he goes, "Oh, what am I saying? You can't stand up." He was in a wheelchair. Uh, that that was terrible. But uh, the congresswoman passed away tragically, and the president was repeatedly calling for her, and then said, oh, "I I think she was going to be here." That that honestly, if Trump did that, if Bush did that, that would be. You'd never hear the end of that. There there would be calls for uh, examinations and all kinds of things, testing. So this was the part that I I said I was going to share with you about this that is just truly disgraceful. I am an an absolute critic of Corrine Jean-Pierre. The job that she does as the White House press secretary, and I know it's a heavy lift. She has a bad client, but it's just terrible what she does on this occasion she told the media I don't think it's at all unusual that the president called on her now come on they won't they won't cop to anything they won't cop to high gas prices they say the president has no control when the prices come down the president gets credit because his policies are working if they go up again I'm promising you it's gonna be because of Putin it's gonna be because of whatever Uh, They only take credit. They take no blame. This is one you have to say, hey, look, we have no explanation for that. Even maybe say the president is working hard. The president is tired. He just was confused. I mean, you got to say you got to say something. You got to eat it. You got to own it. You can't say I don't think it's at all unusual. That's a direct quote. It's I don't think it's at all unusual. Well, let me say this as the filling guy today for Guy on the Guy Benson show. I think it's really unusual for, for a member of Congress to pass away that you worked with on this legislation and on the day that you were uh, announcing all these um, platitudes, you called for that deceased member of Congress uh, to, to be recognized and, and expected that she would be there. That is deeply disturbing. It, it, it is disturbing at a level that this never got the attention that it should have gotten. And Corrine Jean-Pierre, should have finessed something that was decent and that had some shred of intellectual honesty, not I don't think it's at all unusual. It's very unusual and very troubling. We're going to take a brief time out. Much more straight ahead. Don't go away. This is The Guy Benson Show.
2: Fresh conservative talk. Guy Benson Show.
3: Welcome back to The Guy Benson Show with Christine Wyatt and Dan Harry filling in today. Guy will be back right after the New Year's holiday and a very happy New Year's Eve from The Guy Benson Show. EVD, actually, uh, from The Guy Benson Show. Let's spend a couple of minutes on this. Uh, I think it's important, and I think it sets a precedent. I read someone uh, – I know FoxNews.com has great reporting on this. I encourage you to check that out. Uh, I did. It, it's, it's great coverage. And there was someone that made the case, and I think they're absolutely right about this. Uh, this is probably going to wind up being a very big mistake for the Democrats. Because nobody really is caring the, the slightest least about President Trump's last five years tax returns. I think it's 2015 through 2020 or something like that. Nobody's asking for it. Nobody cares. He's a private citizen. Now he is a declared candidate. But the Democrats really wanted to release the tax returns. It kind of, kind of reminds me when uh, Chuck Schumer told a bald-faced lie about Mitt Romney and said that Mitt Romney had not paid any taxes in 10 years. Mitt Romney said, I've paid millions of dollars in taxes. Uh, Chuck Schumer stayed with the story after the election was over uh, and only then. Uh some industrious member of the media said to Chuck Schumer uh, that basically that wasn't true, what you said. And he said it worked, didn't it? I mean, they just they are shameless. These Democrats are absolutely shameless. So they knew they're leaving power. Uh, I think the Supreme Court purposely did this. It's just my hunch uh, because they easily could have just waited uh, until the Democrats were gone. Uh, they didn't. They gave them just enough time to get the tax returns, act like they were doing an investigation and fairness to make sure, oh, we want to look at them and be fair because they say with a straight face, this isn't political at all. Oh, no, no, not no, it's not political at all. So tomorrow, uh, and you'll be able to uh, hear about this on The Guy Benson Show, tomorrow the tax returns for five years will be released. And you can imagine – The Trump deranged Democrats, the Trump deranged Democrat media, one and the same. They're going to be going bananas over this. I don't know what's going to be in it, but they're going to go crazy because this is nirvana. They've been waiting and waiting and waiting for this. Here's how I think it ends, though. Republicans have subpoena power beginning this Tuesday. They're going to be able to subpoena tax records for Hunter Biden, Joe Biden, Jim Biden. And who knows who else they're going to be interested in subpoenaing Welcome to the Guy Benson Show on behalf of Team Christine. Christine Wyatt and Dan, Harry Hurley, filling in today for Guy. He will be back right after the New Year's holiday. Standing by on the Guy Benson Show Newsmaker Hotline is John Levine, a political reporter for the New York Post. And, oh, my gosh, has there been just, I mean, these tranches, as they are called, treasure troves of evidence as to exactly to what degree so incredibly coordinated Uh, the CIA, the FBI, the Biden administration, how directly in coordination they have been with social media. You know, it really begs the question. We don't know what we don't know. We're now learning what we see with what Elon Musk has provided a great service by releasing all this information. I'm of every belief. Why isn't that the same thing that's been going on with Facebook and and many of these other uh, social media entities? We only know here because the curtain got pulled, and Elon Musk threw it out there for the world to see. John, welcome to Guy's program. Uh, Great to have you, and uh, pre. uh, happy uh, New Year's to you.
6: Thank you for having me. Yeah, no, a crazy, crazy week, crazy month of just disclosures, one after another, and I think the key thing you said is we don't know what we don't know. And even what we're seeing with Elon Musk is just the tip of the iceberg, I still have many, many questions that you are know, really left unanswered by the Twitter files. How about that? You know, where you know, these and, and you know, the big question too is, you know, so we've we've uncovered all this FBI CIA influence in Twitter before Elon took over, but has have those relationships been severed? What are the status of those relationships today? Great point. At, at the company. And we don't you know, we know what they used to do, but is Elon actually doing any reforms internally? I'd like to know that. And obviously, too, yes, uh, Google, YouTube, Facebook. We need to see what relationships are there. And that ultimately is something we're only going to get through a congressional investigation.
3: I totally agree. And I think we're going to get that starting January 3rd. John, this is such a good point you make. And let me give you an example to how insidious I believe this is. And and you you take it from here after I tee it up. How about when Baker was charged with actually releasing what they had been holding, and he was editing what he was releasing, Then it was say hey, who's, who, who's this guy, uh, Baker? Oh, yeah, he's, he's Baker. He's from the FBI. He's, he's the guy that was doing what he was doing before, and then he's the guy at the gate when the evidence is coming out. Thank goodness that was caught. Uh, right. So they're, they're, you, got, you you got to figure they're just all over the organization, aren't they?
6: I have a question. How did Jim Baker get hired at Twitter?
3: Who hired him? There you go.
6: I'd like to know the circumstances of how that happened. And, you know, Jim Baker is just the tip of the iceberg there, too. Twitter is full of former FBI people who've decamped to take trust and safety and censorship jobs at the company, which, by the way, is a trend that started overwhelmingly after the 2016
3: election because there they were never going to up- let that happen again, John. Right. That was never going to be That's allowed right. to take place again. There is you can look at all these linkedins, there's not a lot of movement
6: between the intelligence community and the social media companies before 2016, but after Trump it was the the new line became misinformation, disinformation, public safety, trust and security. We yep. need to we need to protect Americans from from too many too much freedom, too much yep. words. The bad info, the bad actors, the bad faith people, and you see this flood of of spy of feds coming in, and and uh, Baker was just tip of the iceberg. We I, I myself have documented dozens of agents, and I they're still working there as far as I know. Mueller yeah, hasn't taken action against them.
3: This is this is so important. Uh, this is so good what you're saying, John Levine, political reporter from the New York Post, on the Guy Benson Show, Newsmaker Hotline. You don't need this, but I want to do it anyhow. I'm not saying, like, the New York Post had a party, like, hey, it's our vindication party, and Levine, you bring this, and everybody's bringing, and Miranda Devine, you bring, you know, this to the party. But it has to feel good, though. You knew that your reporting was solid years ago. Uh, you get deplatformed because, you know, the game was rigged. Let's, let's call it what it was. The game was rigged. Truth was lie. Lie was truth and so new york post gets deplatformed. how outrageous is all that how did it feel when the truth became self-evident
6: well i'll say we're certainly vindicated that's certainly true and we feel vindicated but i wouldn't say we i wouldn't say anyone feels good i think that we what we uncovered was is is very damaging and very scary for our country and i I think that you know, the point of journalism is to uncover this kind of malfeasance so that it can be corrected, and you know, my hope is not – I don't feel good right now. I'll feel good if we get to a place where we can undo a lot of the pernicious activities between the intelligence community and the marketplace of ideas. Because for the government to put its thumb on the scale of what people are allowed to say and think is just fundamentally un-American.
3: Couldn't agree more. John, this is going to sound Pollyanna, but I'm going to throw it out there anyhow. Because I realize the Biden administration still controls the Justice Department, the you know the FBI. So I don't expect – I expect them to, to be very, very bad in how they handle all this and not do the right thing. Now, of course, I don't want to conflate. But there's already a federal investigation, a state criminal investigation into a guy that 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 has lied about his job, whether he's Jewish or Catholic, you know, and and stupid stuff. Uh, But that's a criminal investigation. I think there should be a criminal investigation into did this direct coordination, because I suspect it did. If it's 40,000 votes in three states and Biden would not be the president, I have to believe they were laying on the table. Uh, with the censorship that was going on, not just to the New York Post, but to many uh, Republicans and conservatives that were ghosted, deplatformed, ramped down their, their ability to ha- to be seen and to be heard. So I think that's criminal and should be looked into. But I guess we shouldn't expect they're not going to investigate the, their own crimes.
6: No, they, I wouldn't count on that. Well, there have been polls, there have been studies you know, Americans, if Americans had known about the Hunter Biden Post reporting, they would have voted differently. 20 percent, I a, saw.
3: 20 yeah, percent.
6: I've, I've seen different numbers, but that's yeah. certainly one of them. Yeah. And if you're talking, as you said, twenty, thirty thousand 30,000 votes in some of these states with a margin of victory, you very well could have seen a different outcome in the presidential election. It's not an overstatement to say that censoring the New York Post in October of 2020 could have very well changed the outcome of the election. I believe And that. we – that – I don't know if it's a crime, but it's certainly something that I don't think anyone wants to see happen again.
3: Wouldn't that come under? Remember, the president's very concerned about interfering, you know, with elections and election deniers and all this stuff. That would seem to me, John Levine. That would seem, and those just joining us, John Levine from the New York Post on the Guy Benson Show Newsmaker Hotline. That would seem to me to be uh, election interference.
6: I've certainly election interference. I think there's no, I think it's, it's broadly accepted now that the social media companies and the intelligence agencies interfered in the election in order to prevent Trump from winning re-election. That's, I think now at this point, beyond dispute. The questions now is sort of, you know, who was making these calls? Where did these orders originate from? Yeah. You know, Christopher Wray is a Trump appointee. So we need to, there, there needs to be sort of accountability. We need to take the hood out from the FBI and see what was going on there the origin of these decisions, that letter from the intelligence officials, 51 agents or former intelligence officials saying it was Russian misinformation when they knew it wasn't. Correct. They had to have known it wasn't. Yes. So what was going on there? We don't know.
3: Well, we kind of know, don't we? But we have to prove it. Uh, there's a reason if they know it's not Russian disinformation and they all sign a letter right before an election And again, they impacted the results of the election because Biden in the debate was able to say 51 people, CIA directors and other very, you know, uh, respected people. They all agree that this is Russian disinformation. The only person saying that it's not is Trump. I mean, he got he got to have like a drop the hammer moment hiding behind these 51 alleged diplomats. That's disgraceful. They I think they all have to be hauled in under oath and they have to explain themselves.
6: I think they probably will be. If, if, if you believe House Republicans, that is certainly on the table.
3: It should be done uh, because they have to explain either they're that dumb and bad at what they used to do, uh, or they were politically uh, involved in in electing Joe Biden. I mean, you know, something yeah. something in that realm has to be true. In terms of what we know now, New York Post does phenomenal reporting. I congratulate you for it. It's intellectually honest. It's always well done and and you do your homework and and very credible it was outrageous when i was um broadcasting at the time that you all were deplatformed and the truth was being called lies uh, i knew you were telling the truth and i said that eventually the fourth stage of the truth becoming self-evident will happen the new york post will be vindicated they're telling the truth these people are lying so of course it's well after the election and they get away with it but having said that from here the legacy media, the Democrat media, will not cover any of this. Still, so they were complicit then, and now through active omission. Look at them now; it's disgraceful.
6: Right. I, I often I often I have a term. I, this ter- I, term I use is called the Bermuda News Triangle, and it's sort of you you have it, it encompasses a lot of the mainstream media and their readers and listeners. And if you're, if you're in the Bermuda News Triangle, you don't know what's going on outside of the New York Times, CNN, NPR consensus. So at Thanksgiving, I'll still run into relatives that tell me Hunter Biden is Russian misinformation. There's no bear there there. Wow. He didn't do anything. They have no idea about Burisma. And they are not, they just have this news diet that doesn't tell them. And that, and that to the extent that they know about it at all, they think it's just some murky, weird, it's too complicated, you don't wanna know. It's, 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 fake, it's fake news anyway. But, you know, on the other hand, trust in mainstream media has never been lower. Sure. All the studies show that Americans have let, we're so far away from the days of Cronkite and Murrow. And that means Americans are seeking out alternative media, you know, not just reaching out to the Post, but looking at, at you know, Substacks. And you'll notice all the Twitter files have been put out on Substacks Barry Weiss and Matt Taibbi. Elon Musk is preferencing independent journalists for these disclosures. And I think it's, it just goes to show that's where the American reader is today. They're not with The New York Times. They're not with CNN. They're with these independent voices.
3: John Levine uh, from The New York Post, our guest political reporter and, and an outstanding one. I know you're working on uh, the fact that House Republicans are preparing criminal referrals as we speak. I mean, I can only imagine five five years of Trump tax returns get dumped tomorrow. Just imagine if they subpoena the tax records of hunter biden jim biden joe biden uh they're gonna have to account for all this money from china from ukraine from russia i mean crazy stuff wire transfers all these suspicious uh, cash transaction reports um and all these things do you think we will actually get to the point where the truth here will become self-evident and all of this will be explained and that or or will criminal referrals go into your um Bermuda Triangle of News? (laughs) I think,
6: I mean, the whole truth, I don't know. But I do think we're going to learn a lot more about all of the subjects we've been covering. I think you're going to see a lot of real marquee testimony in the House Judiciary Committee and the House Oversight Committee. You're going to see people like Elon Musk probably come testify. I know House leadership is in talks with him. You're going to see they promised to subpoena people like Hunter Biden, You are going to get those suspicious activity reports. You probably will get to subpoena tax returns and see what was going on there. So I don't know that we'll get everything, but I think that the American people will know a lot more uh, than we do now. And as for the Bermuda News Triangle, for me, the important thing is that it's out there somewhere so that people can, if people who want to find it can, and that future generations will at least have a record of what went on. So there's a There's a record. That's that's really also what I'm thinking about here, too.
3: John Levine from The New York Post continues. We've got about two minutes. Let me uh, ask you about this in terms of Joe Biden and how he said and then doubled down. And Corinne Jean-Pierre says it still to this day that he never, ever discussed his son's business dealings. And we we know from Tony Bobulinski, uh, Independent New York Post reporting, Fox News reporting at all that that's simply, it's patently false. I mean, there's audio, there's photographs, um, all of it. So that that is at some point going to become very, that's going to not age well at all. Could he wind up being impeached? Now, obviously, the Democrat Senate won't convict him. But do you see him being impeached for this situation?
6: Well, I'll first say it is completely false that he didn't know about his son's business deal that's been proven time and time again correct over and over and over again now as for impeachment you know i think we need to see what evidence presents itself over the next six to 12 months and i and then depending on what you see there you'll get a better sense of whether impeachment's on the table or not
3: what what do i thought i i thought that the democrats knowing they were getting out of power would have done some deal where Hunter Biden would have been taken care of very, very spectacularly by the Justice Department. He would have pleaded guilty to some nonsense. His father would then uh, pardon him, whether it would be after he left or just say hell with it. You'd pardon your son, too, and just do it anyhow. Uh, So they didn't do that, though. How much jeopardy do you see Hunter Biden from the current investigations that allegedly – have been going on for more than three years,
6: right? That's that's really the most immediate danger Hunter is in is from this federal probe that's been going on for years. And twenty seconds before a
3: heartbreak, and I'm sorry, John. We,
6: no. we've seen all these media reports that it's, there's an imminent conclusion coming. The point is, he might plead guilty to something, or he yeah. might, you know, go to trial. We don't know. It's unclear still.
3: And if he goes to a Washington, D.C. jury, yeah, if he goes to a Washington, D.C. jury, he might get vindicated as well. John, you are outstanding. Great to visit with you.
2: Thank you for having me.
3: It's a pleasure. We'll be back. This is The Guy Benson Show.
2: Guy Benson will be right back.
3: Welcome back to the Guy Benson Show with Team Christine, uh, comprised of Christine, Wyatt, Dan. And today, yours truly, Harry Hurley, filling in today for Guy, who will be back right after the New Year's holiday. Thank you for spending this portion of your day on the Guy Benson Show. Well, we, we, we have to cover this. I, I really don't like this story. Uh, I can't imagine. Uh, I've been happily married. I still can't believe it uh, for 41 years. I can't believe it. Um, but it's true. And I would never say this, never say this about my spouse at any point during our marriage. And we have three adult children. And, I mean, I just can't relate to this. But I do know that certain people, when they're writing books, they have to give something, you know, sensational, uh, juicy, acerbic, whatever. And Michelle Obama is writing uh, the book The Light We Carry. So in that, she declares... That there was a period during her marriage to Barack Obama, particularly when the children were little, where she could not stand her husband. And that's amazing to me. Dan, you've got the proof that she said it. Let it rip. People think I'm being catty by
1: saying this. It's like there were 10 years when I couldn't stand my husband. Yeah. You do <laughs> say that. You take years. years. <laughs> and guess when it happened?
3: When those kids were little. And she called the kids terrorists. I mean, she says things. Remember when she said that she's proud of her country for the first time in her life, the greatest country in the history of the world. Yet Hillary Clinton once say, I'm not some Tammy Wynette standing by my man and baking cookies. Really weird stuff that this type of person says. It's very off-putting. I think it's terrible for the book or for any reason. It's just a terrible thing to say. We'll be back. In just a few moments, don't go away. Much more straight ahead. This is The Guy Benson Show.
2: Talking about the issues you care about. Guy Benson.
3: Welcome back to the Guy Benson Show Happy Hour. Earlier in the program, we visited with Fox News Channel correspondent Griff Jenkins regarding migrant encounters at the border and the impact of Title 42. Let's listen to part of Griff's update now. Griff, you had uh, a major breaking news exclusive a Griff Jenkins, Fox News exclusive, because your sources are so good uh, and you get these scoops uh, before anyone. What did the Border Patrol tell you?
5: So today Harry my my CBP sources said Griff we want you to know that since this fiscal year began. Fiscal year 2023 began on October 1st. So that's 90 days ago today. There have been more than 617,000 total migrant encounters at our southwest border. That's roughly 7,000. Of them, 430,000 were released into the country. We don't know where they've gone, what they intend to do. Will they pursue asylum uh, because they've given a card with an address of an office or will they just, you know, blend in to the shadows? 186,000 were Title 42 expelled. But yet if Title 42 goes away, those folks would stay as well. And not to give you too many numbers, but stick with me for a second. They also told me that there have been in these 90 days more than 240,000 known Godaways. These are migrants that were seen, detected, observed, but not brought into custody. And have we don't know who they are, where they're from, where they intend to go, or why they're here. We just know we saw them cross illegally, and they're gone into the night. And that's roughly 2,600 a day are crossing our southern border. And that's why you've got guys like Rodney Scott, the former Border Patrol chief, that says this isn't just a humanitarian crisis. This is a full-on national
0: crisis.
3: No doubt. Uh, Griff Jenkins, Fox News correspondent on The Guy Benson Show. I want to say Newsmaker Hotline, but you're in the studio, uh, Ah. which is fantastic. Now, give our listeners an idea, Griff, because you know what this looks like with Title 42 in effect. Give Guy's listeners... A window into if title 42 fortunately the Supreme Court barely as you know five to four kept it in effect and then the oral arguments in February spring decision something along those lines and I know you can't keep an emergency forever but it's fortunate that this continues for now what would this look like
5: without title 42 the answer Harry and that's the exact Uh, Operative question is that we have no idea what it looks like. We just know it's going to be uncontrollable chaos, which is ultimately defined by a total control of our southern border, our sovereign United States border controlled by Mexican cartels. But let me just step back for one second, because. You pointed to this, you know, uh, reprieve, if you will. We bought a few months uh, at the minimum from the Supreme Court, but it should not be overlooked. The one conservative dissenter, Justice Neil Gorsuch, really brought it home in his dissent. He said, uh, in his dissent. Quote, the current border crisis is not a COVID crisis and courts should not be in the business of perpetuating administrative edicts designed for one emergency only because elected officials have failed to address a different emergency. We're a court of law, not policy makers of last resort. And that really brings it home. This is a COVID intended policy to deal with a COVID crisis, but yet the administration who has lobbied against Title 42 for political reasons and now is grateful it's in place because the optics of the disaster they've created by undoing all of the Trump policies. And Gorsuch is simply saying they have failed to address this border crisis, and now they want to use the COVID emergency to try and fix it. And by the way, it's not lost on me or many other reporters that cover the border that yet the administration still won't call it a crisis, as Justice Neil Gorsuch does in his dissent. Yet DHS this week, shortly after Title 42 ruling came, said, quote, the border is not open. And that is— So far, the images, the numbers, everything stands in stark contrast, Harry, that now it is fair to ask, I think, uh, as an objective journalist, that this administration is either in denial or specifically being misleading or at worst lying about the reality.
3: Yeah, I'm going to go with the third. Uh, and I agree with every word you said and what you refer to that uh, Associate Justice Gorsuch said. I'm still glad that it went the way that it did, but he's right about that. Uh, the, the Supreme Court basically saved this horrible policy because I don't believe they are aware of what they're doing. They know the border is open. They speak that it is closed. We know that they know that it is not, and the numbers say it. And we we covered yesterday, Griff, and I say this for your comment on Guy Benson's show that the Fox news statistical data that they have run on what this will be like without title 42 is about 5 million migrants coming into this country every year. That's obviously a catastrophe and completely unsustainable.
5: Yeah. 5 million a year boiled down to 14,000 a day, uh, 200,000 plus a week. And that is look, you, In just the 617,000 encounters in 90 days that I was reporting today, that is, so you wrap your mind around it, that is larger than the entire populations of Pittsburgh and Buffalo combined. And this is the, you, and you look at like my latest numbers, excuse me, break down by sector as well, uh, Harry. El Paso right now is sitting at 159,186. So roughly 160,000. Del Rio sitting at 137,000. These are border towns, El Paso being the biggest. Del Rio is a tiny little border town that are being totally overrun. And that's why, I don't know if you saw uh, this morning on Fox & Friends, I interviewed a mother and daughter from El Paso named Rosie and Yvette. They didn't want to give their last name because they fear repercussions from from others out there watching this. But they were willing to go on camera and talk to us today to say, listen, we've had it like we've got our schools. Vacant schools are being turned into migrant shelters. You can't mm-hmm. go through the airport. You can't get your flights in El Paso because migrants are sleeping everywhere because they don't have anywhere to go. The NGOs have long run out of resources. And the the catastrophe that it is uh, uh, bringing to the doorsteps of our border towns is not an isolated problem. And it's headed to the entire interior, not just in the way of uh, bodies, by the way, of course, with the fentanyl we've seen. And, of course, a number of criminal migrants coming across. Not everybody is a starving, poor, single mother with a two-year-old child, although they often make the covers that are, that are peaceful, seeking a better life. These are human beings. I have the greatest compassion yeah. for them, and I've spent a lot of time with them, but not everybody has the best intentions.
3: Well, and let me give you an example. And I do, full disclosure, I have you on in my studio while I'm doing my morning show. I watched that with you know, the corner of my eye, and I also watched the exclusive Fox News video that you showed this morning of the Texas rancher. put thirteen thousand dollars i believe in terms of cameras and other security measures to try to keep the illegal immigrants from breaking into his home and you have the video and you showed it a few times this morning of then this person's had repeated break-in attempts uh of people trying to break into his home that really puts a face on this when the administration acts like nothing is happening and that the border is secure no this picture is very different than that. That was part of our interview with Griff Jenkins regarding migrant encounters at the border and the impact of Title 42. To hear the entire interview, go to GuyBensonShow.com. Coming up next is the home stretch. We'll be talking New Year's Eve plans with Wyatt and Dan. This is The Guy Benson Show.
2: For the full interview and more, go to GuyBensonShow.com.
3: Welcome back to The Guy Benson Show Happy Hour. This is The Home Stretch, and we're going to talk New Year's Eve plans with Wyatt and Dan. This topic is so wide-ranging. We can have so much fun with this uh, because I think we're in in an era where some people want to go out to big parties. Some people purposely don't want to go to big parties. Other people stay home. Other people go to a more intimate-type gathering with just select few so let me, uh, let's start off with Wyatt. Uh, Wyatt, tell us about your New Year's Eve plans.
0: So, Harry, so tomorrow, after tomorrow's show, I'm be getting on a plane, and I'm going to be heading across the pond to London. So I'll be spending New Year's Eve in London. You, I think you're going to top all of us.
3: Now, I know it's six hours time difference. Is that a little tricky, getting used to that?
0: Yeah, I mean, this is my first time. That I'll be in London, um, and I'm I'm going to be going to Paris after. Uh, so I'll be hitting both those countries. The time difference uh, shouldn't be that much of a problem, but I'm excited to to go and and be there for New Year's Eve in London. I'm going to be doing um, right by the by Big Ben, by the Big Clock Tower. I got tickets to to ring in the New Year right when they do their big firework display and they're going to have music and there's, there's all, all that. So that's, that's how I'll be celebrating New Year's Eve. What's that going to
3: be like? Do you think in advance, uh, doing something you've never done before going to not one, but two different countries, what's it going to be like? Your expectation.
0: I, I mean, I'm, I'm ready to, to do whatever. I'm ready to explore. That's that's kind of the whole, the whole premise of the trip is to kind of, it's a solo trip. So I'm going alone and i'm i'm kind of just ready to just do something different and i've never been to overseas uh, to london or paris I, I did italy once and i asked guy of course who's been to many different places all around the world for some recommendations of some restaurants and things to definitely do cuz i think you can get caught up in it all and and miss some really important things so you know you got to do buckingham palace you got to do the tower bridge you got to go in Paris. you got to do the Eiffel Tower. you got to do the, the big museums there. So I have a whole long list of stuff that I think once I get on the plane, I'm going to plan out, you know, this is what I'm going to do this day. This is what I'm going to do this day and, and kind of have a, an itinerary put together. But, I mean, my expectations are, are pretty high for both countries, so I hope, I hope they deliver.
3: Now, how many hours after signing off are you literally going to be on your plane?
0: well well my we we we're done with the show at six and my my flight's at ten, so it's a a night flight, I guess what do you call that a red eye and so i'll be I'll be departing tomorrow night and then heading and getting in New year's Eve uh around noon in London, and then I'll be there for the for the festivities
3: and the challenge is you will lose five hours. You know, when you go to Vegas, it's pretty easy from here, the East Coast to Las Vegas. You pick up three hours. The pain is coming back. Here, it's five hours later. You'll pick up the five hours coming back home. You got to build that into your clock as well.
0: Yeah. No, be it's interesting. Def- it's definitely a, a little bit of an adjustment, but I think it'll be worth it. And I think spending. New Year's Eve and bringing the New Year ahead of America and ahead of everyone else here, I think is fun and just something different, you know? That is very cool. Dan, what are you going to be doing? Well, it's nothing like Wyatt's
7: plans, unfortunately. I wish I was going to another country and celebrating the New Year in another country, but maybe another year I'll do that. Um, I used to be, I used to do the whole party thing. I used to love New Year's Eve, you know, dress up, I'd wear like a nice new suit, go to a party and all that. But now, you know, I'm getting into my mid 30s. And so I've quieted down a little little bit. So this year, my girlfriend and I are just doing a quiet dinner at a nice restaurant with uh, her best friend and her husband. And then we're going back to their apartment, and hopefully I could even make it to midnight. (laughs) I've been known to kind of fall asleep before it even hits midnight, so I'm hoping to make it the entire way.
3: I'm going to confess to that. I also have fallen (laughs) asleep before midnight. I've made it to midnight many years my life is in two different chapters. My casino career—you were always you were—you had to just be on. Every VIP was there. The parties were epic, and they went on very very late. So there was no no question. You knew you were going to be working, and you were going to be up. And everybody in tuxedos and shrimp that were as big as lobsters. I mean, that had their own zip code. It, it was amazing times. This portion of my career the last 31 years in radio it's very different you can go to parties if you want we did that for a number of years a lot of the country clubs have wonderful New Year's Eve gatherings and the hotels for that matter and the casinos so you could choose to go do that even as a patron not as an executive so we've done that many years and as of late what we've done and I it's my favorite we have family immediate family and very close friends at our home. We have a very special meal, seafood, and really nice dinner, full full gourmet-type dinner with fabulous desserts and everything. And I enjoy that. I I enjoy that. We have something on the TV, really, that nobody pays attention to, whether it's a sporting event or whatever it is, that's just on a big screen. And and really, it's just about company and having a, a nice meal. And I'm just a big fan that, you know, when you break bread, you, you forever change the relationship. That if, That is if you're inviting other people into your home or wherever you might be dining. And it's very special. And I think this is a, an important year, guys. I'd like to get a comment from each of you on The Guy Benson Show. 2022 for many people has been a very challenging, difficult year. They're expecting and forecasting more pain, higher energy costs, including gas, I don't know why, but gasoline went up 15 cents at the pump yesterday after it had been dropping for a while. No explanation for that. Uh, so you first, Wyatt, uh, turning the pages from 2022 to 2023, not not corny where people do stodgy, hey, my New Year's resolutions, but just basically your thoughts about one year going into the next.
0: Yeah, I think you just always had to make the best of it, and I think each year you have some good things, you have some bad things that are happening. But I think you 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 know you go go with the the water and you go with the flow and you get through it. And I think you could always look forward to new and and uh, new and exciting things in the new year. So I'm I'm excited.
3: Yeah, that that's that's really a good answer, Dan.
0: Well, I think
7: so. Twenty twenty two started off a little rough because we're still dealing with a lot of COVID things, and a lot of people still couldn't see family during last Christmas and things like that, like myself, um, because of those issues. And then it started to kind of level out a little bit where we're getting back to a little bit of normalcy. Um, So I'm hoping that, you know, in 2023, we can get back to a little bit where we were um, seeing family more and traveling a little more, at least I know from my um, experience, I would like to travel a little more. So hopefully I'll get that in there and, you know, just keep the positivity. It's been tough the past three years to keep the positivity around everything but um you know i love being in this country i love work, working here and and everything's been great
3: let me say this as the occasional visiting guest that that drops by and gets to spend time with this great team christine white and dan and of course guy himself the guy benson show i think it's been a great year for the guy Benson show one of the most relevant programs in America very impactful year and this has been a program that's not been afraid to take on the toughest issues you've presented the relevant guests you've you've tackled uh, the news uh, as it as it unfolds and I think maybe we'll agree on this one of the busiest news years of our lifetime I mean it never seemed to stop even when in years gone by days gone by it would get quiet during the holidays it's not it's not quiet during the holidays anymore, I mean, we just had a one point seven trillion dollar uh, Christmas Eve massacre. We have all this stuff going on where Title 42 almost ended. That would have been absolute catastrophe and chaos. So I, I, I will say this just as as the occasional visitor on The Guy Benson Show, a very, very good year for The Guy Benson Show. And of course, the host guy himself. Gentlemen, uh, an honor to spend part of uh, New Year's Eve Eve with you both and uh look forward to uh, a great 2023 this is the guy benson show